Welcome to the Found Sounds podcast. I, I took a break off for the break for the month of August to work on some of the release of my own music that came out at the end of August, which you can find on my Bandcamp page. Uh, but this month we're here to feature Bethlehem and Sad Patrick. They combine smart lyrics, soaring vocals, sparse guitar, and driving percussion to deliver powerful songs about being in and out of love keeping your head up in the city, struggling in your own way, and searching for peace in the margins. Sad Patrick's hybrid of jazz, folk, and blues guitar provides a counterpoint to Bethlehem's vocation. Her powerful singing, remarkable improvisations, and nuanced melodies riding atop tidema and body percussion. They are best experienced live, where you can see their interplay and witness how Bethlehem inhabits their songs and captivates the crowd. Uh, before we get started with listening to the first piece uh, by Bethlehem and Sad Patrick, I want to take a second to ask you to like and subscribe the podcast and go ahead and check out our Patreon page. My my goal would be ultimately to be able to, to pay artists directly out of this Patreon page. Uh, right now we have three subscribers and that helps me pay uh, someone to help mix and master the podcast, uh, Connor O'Neill. And the first piece we're going to listen to is Hush. Come here. What you crying for? There's no need to cry. Afraid, afraid. 
of your teeny size Mama's gonna show you how to Sound amazing, y'all. Thanks, Thank man. Yeah, I, I, said, I was like, damn, I'm by myself, so myself, shit. That was all right. I saw you. I saw you vibing to it while we were listening. Giving herself direction. Okay. <laughs> it's a podcast, so people can't see me moving my hand. Right. <laughs> okay. I remember when I used to go to um be called Brie Love with Christopher K.P. Brown. He's a bunch of poets. Yep. And people be up there singing or doing their thing. And it's just the artist in me. I'm listening to him, and then I'm like trying to rearrange the song in my head, like how I would do it. Man, <laughs> one time Chris called me on it. He's like, You see Beth over there working the song? I was like, Damn, the gig is up. <laughs> so, yeah, man. When you said that, I was like, Oh, Lord, that's a, that's a Beth thing. Yeah. Uh, I felt yeah. like that piece like has like an intimacy that I hear in your music yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The whole th- the so the theme or the notes we had written I can still remember the notes that we had written on the paper when we recorded it were calm down the baby right mm. so she's right. doing this right I feel, like I'm I'm like feeling coddled back. over here by Bethlehem <laughs> singing <laughs> that was a whole idea yeah yes yeah that's beautiful thank you so how I'm curious how how this partnership started for you two. Um, so I don't know if you remember the place that used to be called Wired Beans that is now Melodani Cafe. Mm-mm. I moved to this area and I was looking for an open mic and I couldn't find an open mic that wasn't, you know, letting out at 1130, 12 o'clock, 1230, one o'clock at night. Right. And I had a day job, so I needed something a little earlier and managed to convince the owner of what was then Wired Beans to let me run a, an open mic on a Wednesday, Wednesday night yeah. or Wednesday night. Um and uh, had some gear, so got it set up, got it started. And then one night, Bethlehem and her family came in and sang. Yeah. And I thought, hmm, <laughs> that's the way my songs are supposed to sound. So, <laughs> And you were captivated, just like all of us who exactly, Bethlehem. <laughs> exactly. And then one night, Bethlehem, was it Fix Me? Or do you remember what it was? It was Fix Me. Yeah, yeah. I, pl- I played a song and sang a song called Fix Me, um, which is one of my, you know, very slow, very sad <laughs> songs that got me my name. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Bethlehem said, you know, I, that's great. I'd like to sing that song sometime, I think. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. <laughs> Let's go. You don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> no, you do not. When can you practice? <laughs> I'm free any day from now till, yeah. So, um, and one, one song led to two, and two led to where we are now, yeah. 10 years later. Yeah. Ten yeah. years. I was about to ask. Wow, yeah. Ten years. I'm, I think. Oh. 
Almost. Almost? Okay. Next I'm year horrible it'll be with 10 dates. years. Okay. Be- oh and the gosh. reason why I keep track is because I came out, we were singing together before I came out with my CD, Bigger Than Music. Right. And that was released in November of 2012. Okay. So there you go. Gee yeah. whiz. Mm. Time flies. Yes, it does. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So so how's the writing process work between the two of you? Um, so I write the I write the uh guitar part and I write the lyrics and then um learn it well enough to show it to Bethlehem, mm-hmm. right? Obviously I don't have the range Bethlehem does or the skills Bethlehem does in singing. Right. Yeah. But I learn it well enough to go through at least once or twice yeah. with Bethlehem showing her what I'm hearing and then she just takes it from there yeah. Yeah. and makes it her own and and it's interesting it because and, yeah and it's, it's interesting it because a lot of people think and have said to me like oh like they swear I wrote the songs and I'm like no Patrick is the songwriter <laughs> I just connect to it so I don't sing a song that I don't connect to. So there's songs that he's written that I have not, that, that say, we don't do because yeah. I just so can't connect. There are so, a whole yeah. stack of orphans, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's good, man. It's a great songwriter. And I enjoy like taking these songs and like finding out like, okay, Patrick, what were you thinking like when you wrote this? And then trying to understand like his thought process and then seeing okay, like getting myself emotionally connected so that I can convey um, the true essence of the song. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's my process in the middle. And then, you know, it, that's, so that's really in terms of the lyrics and the, and the mm-hmm. you know, the, the mental part of the song, if you will. But then from there, as Bethlehem said, she'll arrange it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just what she's doing vocally. Obviously, it's the percussion that she's doing. Right? right, which will right. inform, can inform the tempo of the song. You know, I, I tend to write slow and mopey, right? But right. then when I give them to Bethlehem, sometimes they don't stay slow and mopey, right? right? Sometimes they need to be yeah. sped up, or the tempo needs to be changed, or right. the rhythm needs to be changed, or something like that. Yeah. Occasionally, there might be a word or two that we change. Typically, not much. Right. Um, although maybe for flow more than you know anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know. Bethlehem puts the percussion in it. She puts the beat behind it. She puts the words to it. And yeah. then over time, they become what they're going to be. Let's talk about the percussion for a minute. Because for some people that might not have seen you live yet, they might not. Bethlehem has has termed the, the term uh, vocationist. Bethlehem is a vocationist. And what does that mean, Bethlehem? So a vocationist is a vocalist and a body percussionist infused. So mm-hmm. because I do these things simultaneously, I came up with the term vocationist. Plus, plus the tarima. Yes, yes. So I, I, the tarima is a, a stomp box or a platform or a stage, right? And so this is just what I stomp on. So, yeah. What made you pick that instrument? I didn't. It actually kind of funneled its way and picked me. So okay. the first thing I invested in was tap shoes because I figured... You know, after stomping with like regular shoes on the ground and stuff, and you thinking certain surfaces, I really want people to hear my feet because that's a part of this uh, rhythm that I'm I'm conveying. So then I invested in tap shoes because I'm like the metal under the that should be able to you know put the sound out. Well, it did put the sound out, but then when you stomping on concrete. Mm. It's almost put my knees out, so I said, "No, I gotta come up with another plan, right?" So, uh, so Victor Puentes, he was a trumpet player on the jazz scene way back. He mm-hmm. moved out of Philly, but 
Um, He's actually on our, on one track on our first CD. Yes, nice. yes, actually, yeah. So um, he he saw what I did and he said, "Hey Bethlehem, you should get a Tatarima made." So I was like, "Yo man, what's a Tatarima?" He introduced me to his uncle Polo Ramirez, who was the one who made the Tatarima. He was a carpenter. They were living over there on Wayne Avenue, and um. You know, this is the first thing I'm like investing in, like legit for like my art form. So I went over there and met Polo and I was like, listen, man, like I want, you know, Victor telling me about this, this, this Tarima. So look, I want the best. I want mahogany wood. Totally ignorant of like the the heaviness of the wood, the certain sounds that different woods produce. But I'm just like mahogany is a good quality wood. So that's what I want. So Polo Ramirez was like, that's going to be $240. So I was like, Polo, what's the next best thing you can give us? I can't do $240 right now. So uh, he was like, popular on the top and pine around the edges. So I was like, all right. So he quoted me the price. I was like, yeah, I can do that. So um, he made the board. So I was like, listen, I want it big enough so that I don't easily fall off. Because when I get in my zone, you know, I get caught up and I'm not really like, paying attention, I'm like really lost in the music. So I don't want to make one, then I'm off and hurt myself. But I was like, it needs to be small enough that I can transport it on like scepter or whatever when I'm getting to my gigs. So the board is three feet by two feet or mm. two feet by three feet. Same difference, whatever. Yep. So yeah, um, so he made it. Um, I wanted to uh, make, put like my stamp on it and throw a little of my culture in it. So I, I wrote my name in Hebrew across the front he, you know, engraved it in there. And then the popular wood. So that kind of hung out. I didn't make a direct connection. So um, Terry Knight Owl Lyons, who is my spiritual mother, phenomenal poet. She used to come to Wire Beans. Yeah. And she would call me on the phone. I'm like, you know, it's in you. You just got to be exposed to it. Referring to jazz music because I did not grow up off of jazz. Mm -hmm. And so um, she was referring to Billie Holiday's Strange Fruit. And she wanted mm -hmm. me to pay attention to like, the melancholy in her voice, but how her voice was still alive. It was just really melancholy and um, strange fruit, bodies swinging off of popular trees. Mm. So I was like, oh my, like in the top of my board is made from this wood. Mm. So there's, I mean, ancestral connection, spiritual connection. Um, my name literally means house of bread. And although I do love some bread, um, <laughs> uh, physically, Bread is also um, spiritual. Is like it, it's substance. You know what I mean? It, it's something that's solid that makes you full, that sticks with you. So, yeah, you put all that together. I feel like that the board was truly divinely made for me and my art form and my energy and the type of music that I need to put out. And I'm not just talking about lyrically now, like spiritually, like the spirit that comes out of me when I perform. Like I feel like that that board. Um, my tarima really aids me in doing that. So yeah, that's Sorry. beautiful. Kind of long winded. No, <laughs> that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. That was beautiful, and we and we hear that story. we hear that spirit, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, all those connections are wonderful, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, we're gonna take a listen to "How Soon Can You Leave." Yes. 
Do you want to say a little bit about that before we listen? I think the title speaks for itself. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, we don't want you to go anywhere. We want you to stay yeah. right here and listen to the podcast. We, yes. we, do, we yes. do have to say that one before we play it live. Are we, are we allowed to know who we're talking well, about? Actually, there's one thing I, I did want to say about it. Uh, yeah. People can hear this. And I'd kind of forgotten this until I started listening to these in preparation for this podcast. Is just listen to the way that Bethlehem sings with herself. Right. Mm. And some of the fun that we can have in a studio that you can't necessarily have when you play live. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, true. No, we're not going to talk about who it's about. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not about that's the funny thing. A, a lot of the songs that I write, even though they are they they may be love songs, they may be bitter, they may be this, they may be that. It's. I'm not thinking about anybody in particular a lot of yeah. times when they're I write not, them. They're not always it's like a just, direct experience. So. Yeah, I've come up with a chord progression. I've played it over and over. Some switch flips in my head, and some set of lines comes out, and then I just try and you do gotta, my best to stay out of yeah. the way, follow it, and write it down as quickly as I can. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here is How Soon Can We Leave. Yes, that would be the fast version. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, so a couple of our songs, we have like the slow version and the fast version. Oh, I see. So depending mm -hmm. upon our set, depending upon the crowd, What's depending upon on? what we're feeling. 
Yeah. We'll either do like the slow version or the fast version. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's the fast one. That's yeah. the fast one. It's got a nice little pocket to it. Yeah. Thanks. And some real nice vocal overdubs. That's my song with. Yeah. What what about that uh about that song Bethlehem made it past the test for you? It just has a rock to like and mind you, Patrick initially most of his songs are started off or written slow. Right. So then you know we sing it slow, we sing it slow. Then it's like, all right, we're tired of singing slow. We need to do some more to it. And then like, what I'm on a tarim and once like that, I was like, yeah, like that pop, that rock, that groove is like that's it. So yeah, man, that's like I think hands down that's like my favorite song off the CD, hands mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the groove is. And I was kind of, and afterwards, I was like, damn, that could have went on a little bit longer for me. Like, I think cut off. <laughs> but anywho, but yeah, man. Oh, God. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I love the 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 rock, the yeah, groove, and then throwing a the harmony in it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it, too. Cool. Thanks, <laughs> Paul. <laughs> Patrick, what do you hear uh, in that after after listening to it, what were you thinking while we were listening? Uh, just you know, just the, what Bethlehem said. So it's so it is a bit different than. I mean, I think the last time we played it was this weekend. Yeah, right? and it's like that's that's a different song, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's different because obviously you've got the background vocals, etc. But it's also we've gotten we've gotten a little bit away from that. Poppy, yeah. uh, you know. Um, so I'm hearing that. I'm hearing Bethlehem, and I'm thinking about. I'm remembering Bethlehem. Going out into the studio, listening to the vocal, adding a harmony, coming back in, listening to that, <laughs> telling the engineer, "All right, one more." Going back out into the studio, <laughs> doing another in a different place, right? Yeah, uh, a different place. I mean, a different range, right? Mm-hmm. So you. you You'd have to explain the different sort of. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like you you hear the song, then the harmony you start hearing. So then it's like, my process is you lay down the first voice, then I need to listen to it so that I can find the second harmony Mm -hmm. or the harmony that goes with that voice. Mm -hmm. Then I sing it and then make sure it's right all the way through. And if it's not, then, you know, kind of rehearse it and then go back at it. So, yeah, that's the process. But then she'll do a third harmony and then a fourth harmony. Yeah, right. I'm, like, I'm hearing right, that. Right, yeah, I'm hearing. Right. I'm like, there's no room for anything else, right? I don't hear it. And then she'll go back out, and yes, there is because yeah. you know yeah. it's not overpowering, but little pieces come through. You can hear sure. them. They, they make sure. your ear feel good. So yeah. yeah. So do that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Do y'all work with a producer when you're in the studio, or is it just the two of us? You take care of it on your own. That is the sixty-four million dollar question for our next <laughs> yeah. CD. So oh, really? when we did the first one, it was uh, we recorded the first CD in my spare bedroom. Right. So mm-hmm. did you ever do? Um, and consequently, because I live in a twin, there's no tarima on it. Mm-hmm. Right. There's very little percussion, if any percussion mm-hmm. on it at all. Right. Because, you know, neighbors, right? And right. everything else. Um, the second CD we redid in a recording studio, and we worked with the engineer. And to the extent that there was a producer, mm-hmm. he made some of those comments or decisions or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Or, or not really decisions, but tried to guide us, right? Sure. Yeah. He was really trying to guide us. So um, I keep listening to. Broken Record. That's one of the other podcasts I listen sure. to yeah, yeah. with Rick Rubin. Yeah, talking about, and I'm like, I still don't understand what a producer does. I mean, right. it seems like he makes magic, but beyond <laughs> that, I don't know what a producer does. So, so when you ask me that question, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. So I don't. So in my mind, a producer is the guy like, okay, this is the song and I'm going to show you how to execute it so that it can come out the way it needs to come out. Right. So it's kind of like they can be very hands on. Like, I want you to hit this note and you like, okay. Or I want you to make this sound like they kind of bring stuff out of you for the betterment of the song. So mm-hmm. they are like the guy, like I'm almost like you a puppet and not totally, but an extreme case, like you a puppet and you just tell me how to sing it, where to sing it, what place to sing it. And then that essentially produces this, this song. Yeah. yeah. I think there's different kinds of producers. Yeah. Right. But, um, what's I guess your I'm experience? I'm focusing on vocal producing. Oh, um, I guess, you know, my first album I produced on my own. And I, but I definitely like was like looking to band members and the sound engineer for help. And then Jamal Dean Takuma helped produce this last album. And mm. he, he was in the studio that day. And that was hugely helpful just to have, we were like doing live takes, right? So having <laughs> someone to say, okay, do it again, but like this. Right. And right. a guitar, like, I need you to play some more like BB King stuff right here. Okay. Or something yeah. like that. You okay. Know? Um, so that, and then he like helped with some post production stuff and listening to the mixes and the masters and stuff. So that was, that was huge. Um, I guess I had never thought I needed a producer before. And then that was really helpful. So, yeah. But I, I'm also like all four people doing things on their own and you learn a lot. And, right. you know, um, yeah. There's a lot of empowerment in doing it on your own, I think. There is. There is. The unfortunate part is you've got to kind of split your brain. Right. right? Especially if you're if you're also doing the recording. Right. Because right? I know, you know, everything I know about recording, I, I learned on the internet. Right, right, right. <laughs> and right. trial and error. And right. just sure. all of those decisions. Where do you put the mic? This, that, the yeah, other. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. not. Yeah, I don't think we'll be doing... Well, that's why it's great I to be don't in the think studio we'll be doing, can, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we'll be doing another spare bedroom one, but who knows? We so, haven't figured out what our approach is going to be. Yeah, I want to make sure in the show notes, I'm going to like put a link to your music and to your website. If people, Where should people be looking? To? BeSadMusic.com. BeSadMusic.com. Yeah. It's, not, it's not all sad music, though, right? <laughs> no, it's not. Some no, of it's, it's not. very uplifting. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, especially on the second CD. The first CD is really all about love and heartbreak. It's good love, bad love, and all of that. Right. The second CD, Love and Other Struggles, is half love songs. Again, either good love or bad love or whatever, something in between. And the other half of the songs are really about what I'm calling other struggles, right? Mm-hmm. So life as an immigrant in today's America, just living in the city, playing with the deck stacked against you, you know, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to make yourself heard, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And before we listen to the last piece, um, what are... What you you want to share anything of your like plans for the future, or is there anything you do want to share? Or are we keeping that under our hats right now? No, no, no. I mean, we have plans for the future. Um, we actually are going to get together uh, after this and talk a little bit more in detail about those. But we've got about ten songs that we haven't recorded yet, mm-hmm. right? So we're going to probably record them in some fashion, cool. right? I don't know if that means going in and doing a CD mm-hmm. or just doing singles and releasing one at a time. Mm-hmm. We'll figure that part out. And the, the other part is really we want to continue to play out, play live, yeah. and play in a slightly larger sort of geographical area, right? Yeah. So we we want to, you know, branch out a little bit New Jersey-wise, branch out a little bit Delaware-wise, maybe mm. Baltimore, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So try and, you know, get some more people. spread the wealth a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get some more people and, you know, um, 
not not we, we want to bore everybody in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> we want them to we want them to keep coming out. We want so them. Of course, want of it, course. So, yeah. So you so know the, the story. So the last the last piece you sent me was Rise. Yes. Oh my city. Yes. Mm-hmm. What can we know about that before we have a listen? So Rise is a love song to Philadelphia. Mm. Yeah. So um. Wow, just about the whole experience, like, you know, living in Philly. But guess what? If you ain't from Philly, it can be for you, too, because we all got our experiences in different cities. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's about the pressures of the city. It's about, in in certain places, it's about how um, the deck is stacked against people who live in the city. Mm -hmm. In a way, it's not necessarily the the people who live in the leafy suburbs, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, yeah, it's a slice of life of an early morning walking down a street. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, here Thank it you. is. Rise, oh my city. With a guest appearance by whoever that is, who is the voice of SEPTA on the buses. Oh, wonderful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great day. Above the obstacles, rise above all your pain, rise so that your lips kiss the sky, that troubles don't last, but say, because there's always a better tomorrow, rise. Although you're hurt and you may be troubled, rise with your head held high, rise, rise, walking down these dark city streets.
takes its toes and it goes and dies and those who Okay, so we came back for the end because Patrick reminded me we didn't do the, the double time section. <laughs> okay. And Pat- right. Patrick told me that we we're going to put Bethlehem on the spot for the bu- double time section. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> so first question is, if you could have dinner with any musician throughout history, who would it be? Oh, wow. Um, Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke. I would like want to just get inside his mind, especially back then, like what he was trying to do. Like I would want him to like tell me all that and teach me all that. And then hopefully I would have enough wisdom to kind of let him know like, man, you know, certain things you got to like kind of stay clear of because, you know, you kind of on target. So 
the mm. more control you have of yourself and discipline, the less likely you'll be able to get trapped or whatever. You feel mm. what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. people were trying to, and they, they they ultimately did stop him from doing what he was trying to do. So it's kind of like, if you like tighten up on those weaknesses or whatever, you'll be able to avoid certain things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, God willing, he still probably would have been here today. Mm-hmm. You know? So, mm-hmm. I don't know. What about any musician throughout history that you'd want to play music with? You know what? It's a couple of them. So, I would definitely want to do music with D'Angelo. Oh. Listen, yeah. I don't care. You know, some people kind of gave up on him once he lost his figure, but honey, the music still stays the same. <laughs> he is still a musical genius to me. So yeah, and um, I would I would definitely want to do music with um, Toby Nwigwe, mm. only because yo like his he's just on such a positive vibe, like, yes. and I really dig like everything about them. So yeah, yeah. I would definitely want to do. And music they're making with them. amazing music. Yeah. Lord have mercy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about your favorite venue to play here in Philly? Hmm. You know what's so interesting? I've played a lot of venues. I mean, with Patrick, outside of Patrick. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, I don't think I have a favorite. Yeah. The That's, one that I feel more like they be kind of looking out is the Art More Music Hall, to be honest with you. Mm. But that's with the Graceland band. But other mm-hmm. than that, like, I love them all. Like, they all have their things mm-hmm. about them that I appreciate and stuff. So, yeah. But cool. favorite? Nah. I don't think anybody's made that list yet. What about, do you have a dream venue to play that you, like, hope one day you'll play? This is so sad, but no. That's all right. No, because you know, people have goals like, oh God, if I if I play the the you know the the cabana or this is that, and it's like no, like I've been on stages that were huge, and I didn't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Like I did a TED talk with Nimrod Speaks mm-hmm. years ago through Homer Jackson mm-hmm. with the Philadelphia Jazz Project, but. I didn't even know what a TED Talk was. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And I was on that stage and we did a thing for um, a tribute to John Coltrane. And like, I had no idea how big. And you know what, too? I like it that way. Because that way, everything is the same. A, a stage is a stage. It's not about when you get down to the roots of it. It's really not about the stage, but it's about keeping yourself in the, the mindset and in the, the the spirit and humility to be able to do what you need to do for the people, mm-hmm. which is give them the music that you feel you need to give them. Because sometimes people get, oh, I'm on this. And then boom, the music gets lessened because you now feeding your ego about, girl, I done made it here. I done arrived. <laughs> like, no, I never want to feel like I arrived. Like, no. I really want to stay humble. But like every stage from Chestnut Hill singing in front of Kim, Kitchen Capers, mm-hmm. honey, that's a stage too. Because people come around, they hear, and they support in their way. Yeah. Just like, a, you know, a more professional, or more well-known stage. Like at the mm-hmm. end of the day, man, they all stages. And I thank God mm-hmm. that I'm able to hit whatever ones I'm able to hit while I'm here. So yeah, that's Tell how I feel. That's great. Um, 
All right, Patrick came up with a new question for me. What's your What's your favorite post show snack? My favorite who? <laughs> <laughs> favorite post post show snack. Oh, post show snack. I was I don't think I've heard of that snack before. Oh, <laughs> let me see. I don't have a favorite one, but I need to keep it light because I tried to eat heavy before I and because of the vocation and. Honey, you gotta. There's been many instances where you gotta decide: Am I going to burp or am I going to hit this note? Well, that would be your pre-show snack. Oh shit, that's, that's all right. right. Lord, have mercy. Just, <laughs> we're just having, we're just having fun. Lord, Bethel. yeah, so, good. I have one more question for Bethel, and I, I think I already know the answer. But, but wait a minute, wait out. a minute. Oh. Let me now that I thank you for wheeling me back. You talking about pre? We talking about post? Thank right. you. Sorry. So the post-show snack. I really don't have one. It's not like some people after they perform and give out all this energy, it's like they have one food that they gravitate to. Mm -hmm. I don't have a comfort food like that that I'm like, mm. oh, I've been, yeah. It's really about usually really and truly as uh, not necessarily food, but the drink, I'm good with a glass of wine after I perform. Because I go. don't drink before I perform. Right. But right. afterwards, yeah, a good glass yeah. of wine, calm the hypeness down, and I'm good. <laughs> like yes. It. You have a question, Pat? I have one. I think I know the answer, but it's a funny story. Uh, worst Bethlehem and Sad Patrick gig. He, I'm do know, I'm he, do, he does know that answer. I'm laughing because of the look that Bethlehem okay. just gave I'm very me. animated. I'm sorry. So, yeah. Um, so, one time. <laughs> no names. <laughs> yeah. Because they were nice people. but They really were. So, one time Patrick had me. You know, come out to this gig. We singing at this gig. I'm, when I tell, I remember this shit. Oh, it was a pri private show or a public show? Public, honey. Yeah, yeah. In front of farm animals and everything. Else. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he told the lady. I forget the names. He told the lady that um we were doing two forty five minutes, Patrick. I don't. I don't remember. I think it was two forty five minutes. So we get out there. We want to open like. Field cornfield, <laughs> yeah, yeah, cornfield, right? So we going out there. I'm looking. It's all of what no people were performing. They had a nice little crowd. Boom. So the sun is starting to set, and I'm a chocolate sister, and there's no lights. <laughs> so I looked at Patrick and I said, "Listen here, <laughs> when the sun goes down, you won't be able to see nothing on me but eyes and teeth. Honey. They'll be able to see you, but I'm gonna be, you know." So I don't. Think I'm standing out here singing for no 245 minute sets with no freaking lights. And then, you know, I was using the music stand. You can't see that. So I went over there to the lady. Uh, sorry, I'm just going to interject and say one Lord, thing. Lord, Lord. As the sun went down, people started leaving. Yes. Oh, yes. They started leaving out. So now that the sun is set and it's, you know, the last acting cleared out and I'm looking around at all the eight people. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm telling mm -hmm, you? Mm -hmm. We had a football field with eight people, it seemed like. You know what I mean? So then that's when I went over there to the lady. And and I said, well, before the sunset, you know, I'm, I'm seeing all this stuff. It like, So I went over there. I said, hi, ma'am. I said, um, you know, where Bethlehem is said, Patrick was supposed to sing. The sun is going down, but there's no lights. Mm. So we doing 245 minute sets. Like, and, she's I, like, and, I, and I don't think we were getting paid. No, we weren't. <laughs> That's a thank you for saying it. We, we were, were not getting we were paid. hungry for gigs. Yes. So, and um, I was a little hungrier than Beth. Yes, yes. So I said, like, miss, there's no lights. So she's like, 
Oh, I didn't think about that. I said, honey, you don't have to. This is how it's going to go down. When the sun goes down, we go down with it. Point blank, period. So she was like, well, I can make... I said, no, nah, babe, I don't want you to make any other special adjustments, arrangements. Like, it is what it is. Yep. We're not, you're not going to get 45 minutes because we don't have any lights. And right. I'm cool with it. I just want you to know what's going down. So yep. we went up there. Use the flashlights on our phone. And and somebody turned on the lit, point, pointed the cars. cars. Yes, turn on oh. the, the headlights on the cars. <laughs> and we singing in front of all. I think I'm being generous with eight. I think it was literally six people. <laughs> when I tell you, I was looking at, well, I was trying to see these jokers like, please love this because this will be the last time. <laughs> Are we going to put this on the... Uh, yeah, yeah. We, okay, yeah, yeah. I going to say what I'm going to say. yeah, this will be the last time you'll see me up here. Okay? <laughs> and I had to take Bethlehem out to dinner and a drink after that. Yes, he did. Yes, he so did. Bad. And you know what? Usually I would like... You know, I'm I'm a thinker, so I'm like, all right. Patrick's, Patrick didn't want to talk to her because he was like, I gave her my word. I respect that and I get that. So I'm in the car... Like battling this internally. And I was like, man, fuck this. I was like, I need to talk to her because I'm not going to do this. Yeah. So I talked to her. I said, Patrick, listen, this is what the deal is. So he was like, all right. He's like, Bethlehem, I owe you a dinner and, and a glass of wine. I said, I'll take all of that. <laughs> I will take all of that. So yeah, we went to McMenamin's afterwards. Yep. Yep. Had my glass of wine and I was straight like a plate. <laughs> and I promised never again. Okay. <laughs> That's a yes. great story. All right, well, that's our double time section. That's the that's the end of our our podcast with Bethlehem and Sad Patrick. Yes. And uh, we'll we'll Thank see you, you next month. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Paul. Yep.